HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Roth Cheese, a pioneer in the U.S. specialty cheese movement. For more information, visit rothcheese.com. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Eat Your Heartland Out. I'm your host, Capri Cafaro. On today's show, we are bringing together guests united in one mission, to empower through food. It's preparation, it's consumption, and the sense of community it can bring makes food uniquely suited as a universal tool of empowerment. And our next guests are leaders in what I would call the food empowerment movement. Maya Camille Broussard is a self-taught baker. She founded Justice of the Pies in honor of her late father, who has both a passion for the law and for pies. Maya Camille is committed to ending food insecurity and improving childhood nutrition throughout Chicago's most challenged neighborhoods. Ruth Lefrec is the lead employability tutor at Luminary Bakery in London, England. She brings us across the pond into Luminary's innovative training program for victims of domestic and gender-based violence. The bakery and its mission are a great example of how the food empowerment movement can thrive in regions across the globe. But first, I want to welcome Paula Haynes, the CEO of Freedom a la Carte in Columbus, Ohio. She's joined by her colleague, Mandy Knight, resource manager for the organization which helps survivors of human trafficking by providing them with work experience through catering. Ladies, welcome to the program. Thank you. Hi, thanks for having us. Uh, Paula, I want to start with you. Uh, tell our audience about, uh, since I'm clearly familiar, <laughs> uh, with the mission uh, of Freedom a la Carte and a little bit of its history as well. Sure. So our mission is to empower survivors here locally that have experienced sex trafficking and to empower them to build lives of freedom and to become self-sufficient. And we've been doing this for over 10 years here in, in central Ohio. And we, we started as just an organization that partnered with our local judiciary system. We have a, a specialty docket in Franklin County called Catch Court that is specifically for women who've experienced human trafficking. Um, and so we have partnered with them to help these women be successful and we provided a mentorship program and, and launched that so that each woman had a, a mentor from the community to help her along on her journey. And, and the women were in treatment facilities and they were getting trauma counseling and, and coming to court every week and just really helping to rebuild their lives. But we realized, you know, two years into it that the women were doing great, but they had so many employment barriers, the arrested development the lack of job experience, um, the criminal records. So, you know, 96% of the women we work with have, have been in jail or prison. And so they couldn't get a job. And how can you support yourself and, and not return to, to a lifestyle um, like in trafficking where if, if, if you can't earn, earn an income to support yourself and your family. Right. So, we just put our heads together and said, as an organization, you know, the women that were that were leading it at the time, what can we do? And we came up with um, food, 
you know, food is, is such a wonderful tool to reach the community as well as um, build relationships within, you know, problems are solved in the kitchen. Uh, women have gathered in the kitchen for generations and it just has um, become this, this special tool for healing and rebuilding. And so we started um, with a food cart that we pushed around the city and mm-hmm. grew into a catering company. Um, we've, we've really kind of developed a niche in drop-off catering, and we serve up really delicious box lunches and fresh pastries and then heavy appetizers. And that's really where we stick to. We stick to this, this, this wonderful niche that we have. And then um, this past April, we launched our first cafe. So a full service cafe that we've been able to open to the public. So you've done a quite a bit. And, and I, I know uh, it seems like a long amount of time, 10 years, but to, to grow this kind of organization and to reach so many uh, women and to have such an impact in, in the Central Ohio community is, is really to be commended. Um, I want to revisit the the cafe in a little bit because I want you to tell us a little bit more about how you source it and, and uh, you know, so the role that um, the cafe plays in supporting the mission. But um, I want to go and, and turn it over to Mandy, uh, the, um, who serves as the resource manager, as I said, at Freedom Ella Card. Mandy, tell us about the nuts and bolts about the actual services that are provided and um, how Freedom a la carte, um, you know, supports survivors and gives them the tools to go on to thrive. So we have um, three areas of major support. Our first area we like to call restoration, the second growth, and the third is stability. So um, in that first area, the restoration piece, um, we're really, um, um, is for catch uh, support. So catch court support, the specialty docket Paula was sharing about, and then outreach. Um, So like, also like Paula said, we're partnered with catch court. So in that piece, we provide the women who are um, in catch court, personal mentors, um, which become lifelong best friends. Um, we provide an outing once a month for them um, every month to learn how to have fun in this recovery journey, um, hmm. make community, build connections. Um, we provide lunches every week uh, at their court session on Thursdays. They always have um, some kind of meal prepared uh, for them. We uh, also do jail support. So we have people that write letters, cards. Um, we even um, put money on people's books so that they can get commissary or basic needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like clothing, personal care items. Um, and then we also have recently um, worked with a couple other outreach agencies and been able to provide them with um, different resources that they might need for the women that they're serving in their street outreach or strip club outreach or things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the second piece to that's growth. So that's our workforce development program. Um, we hire uh, survivors of sex trafficking, um, and they become a part of our workforce development program. And so being a part of that, it's usually six to 24 months. Um, and while you're in, in that program, you get paid workforce training. Um, we're, our scheduling is very flexible around people's counseling, treatment, um, tutoring, court if they have court, um, you know, children's services appointments, things like that, mm. appointments. Um, so we're really flexible um, and we really want to encourage the women to grow personally and professionally. Um, so we do have um, like career uh, mentors. We have education mentors. Um, we help our women if they don't have a GED or high school diploma, we help them through the GED process along with an education mentor if If they want to do a trade, um, we'll get them into a trade certificate program. We help people go back to college. Um, We offer um, scholarship funding for education as well. Um, Trauma counseling for those women. Um, They also receive case management services and substance use recovery support. Wow. 
Um, and we also help that with that transition from our workforce development program into long-term employment, hopefully in a, in a field that they really, you know, want to work in. And um, recently we've, we've had a lot more people in the community reach out with different um, levels and areas of professionalism that want to mentor, um, you know, our women, even an aviation program is, oh, wow. is, it's in the future. It's next year, but um, we're kind of looking into that. If, if, if a woman wants to become a pilot, we want to help her get there. So, um, and I actually, this last um, part stability is our butterfly program. And that's really what I oversee and I'm heavily a part of. And, um, and our butterflies are the women who have maybe went through catch and workforce development or not. They don't have to have went through these programs, but they're, they're a little, more into the long-term piece of their recovery journey. And they receive um, everything I listed for our workforce development program. Plus they get, um, um, we do butterfly outings once a month, um, similar to catch. We have self-defense classes and that's for everybody actually. Um, we we have expungement assistance. Wow. Um, referral, we refer people out to other agencies if it's, you know, something that we can't, um, cover under our scope. We have crisis services, job coaching. Um, it's funny when people ask me what I do, I, I my response is kind of like, well, what don't we do? So, <laughs> um, and the cool thing about all this and, and being in this role is that I actually went through catch court myself, um, went through workforce development, moved on like, like a butterfly. I spread my wings and flew away for a little while. And, um, I was a counselor somewhere else and I was totally supported in that, um, employment transition. And, um, when the time was right and, um, this, this position became available, um, at freedom, I couldn't help myself, but to get back in and be a part of this team. That's just wonderful. I mean, you've shared quite a bit about, uh, you know, the, not only the mission, but really more importantly, how that mission is fulfilled for people just, just like you. And the fact that you had such a, you know, a positive uh, experience where, like you said, you were fully supported, you know, you were able to thrive that you wanted to come back and, and give back, uh, is just, um, I think says a lot about how valuable Freedom a la carte is. And, you know, I, I asked uh, you both to join this program because, you know, it is about the intersection of food and culture in the Midwest. But, you know, it's I, I think what I'm trying to convey to the audience is that food acts as a tool in, in very different but very powerful ways. And so while Freedom a la carte does a million different things like you just described, the cornerstone of it was this, this catering, this drop-off catering. And, um, you know, it, it's provided opportunities, uh, for, uh, survivors to, to get that workforce development experience. Uh, so I, Paula, I want to, uh, come back to you because I recall, um, hearing that Freedom a la carte's catering program, uh, as a testament, I think, again, to how uh, the, the strong reputation uh, the organization has, has really uh, gotten some big partners and some big contracts um, of some well-known entities in central Ohio. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And we're so grateful for that. And this is, we've had a partnership with the Ohio State University for, geez, four or five years now. Um, as a drop-off caterer, just an approved drop-off caterer for anyone on campus. Um, and that has been just so fabulous and really helped us establish ourselves as that drop-off caterer and, and focus on that niche. Um, we also have a nice partnership with Ohio Health that has really, it, it actually happened right before COVID. Yeah. And so we didn't get a lot to of time to do things together, but now uh, we're doing so much with them and we really appreciate that as well. And then um, Otterbein University, we're an approved caterer there. So we do a lot of, of um, catering for on, on their campus as well. So uh, just to get a little bit of detail um, on, you know, sort of what role survivors play in this, in the catering side and what workforce development actually looks like in the context that overlap between uh, the workforce development program and the, and the catering business, so to speak. Uh, Mandy, can you speak to that? Like, what does that actually look like? Maybe walk us through a shift, um, that, that a participating, um, 
a woman might be uh, experiencing? So the women in workforce development, um, there is, you know, a set schedule. Sometimes that changes, but that's typical of any workplace. Um, the women come into work and um, we've implemented a what we call nine at nine. So one of our supportive services staff, currently there's myself, uh, my supervisor and one other uh, resource manager. One of us will um, go down and, and gather the women and we, um, Kathy, my coworker, she likes to do like breathing and stretching. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to do a check-in and make it fun and creative. Like <laughs> if you were a weather, you know, what weather would you feel or be like today? And what, what does that feel like for you? And so we'll do that nine at nine to check in with everybody and make sure everyone's aware of how their coworkers are coming into the workspace for the day. Um, and then the ladies are real busy in the kitchen. Um, and we have volunteers that come in and help um, create the recipes. And, and it's really cool because the ladies um, sort of get to supervise those volunteers and um, guide them through how to do the process and how to make things. And um, I think that can be empowering to be able to teach others. Um, and then um, certain days of the week, there's counseling for everyone and, um, they have a set time and day of the week. They see their counselor and they get to see that person here. Um, I wish you could see the space. It's so beautiful and, and it would make a lot more sense, but, um, up on the, it's been years. I remember visiting cause I, I really wanted to actually volunteer Peter Malacart. Um, cause I actually went back to school for my master's in social work while I was a state senator. Um, but I was so inspired by learning about Freedom Alicart. I wanted to volunteer and I went to wherever it was at the time. And I think you guys have moved on since then. Cause that was probably like 2011. Yeah. So 2012, it's, it was like right at the beginning. Yeah. So we have, um, a catering floor, we have the cafe floor and then, um, above it all is the freedom loft and the butterfly lounge. And it's a beautiful space. Um, and so the women typically work on the catering floor, the cafe floor, and then in the freedom loft, it's very, um, it's a very trauma informed design, the color Mm. schemes, the space, the, the rooms. And we have a room called the green room and it's, um, it's got like not, or not natural lighting, I'm sorry, but it's got a lamp. So it's not fluorescent lighting, very comfy chairs, soundproofing walls. And, and the ladies get to do their, their counseling in that room. Um, and so they come into work and then on the certain day there's counseling, they have that, um, opportunity. And then, um, one, um, day and time a week, each woman gets to meet with a supportive services staff. And, and trust me, it's, it ends up happening a lot more than once a week, but it's scheduled once a week that Mm -hmm. they meet with supportive services, um, the employment coach or resource manager and, um, work on their professional goals, or they might be having, um, a daycare issue or, um, just, any, any kind of issues, they're able to work that out here and know that they're supported. Um, and it, and it relieves some of the stress of life to know like, Hey, I am at work, but I have like this huge team upstairs. That's like rooting for me and helping me accomplish these things. Um, so then they get to meet with the supportive services or employment coach, like I said, and then, um, they work in the kitchen and they also have opportunity for growth. Um, one of our ladies, uh, recently became the lead um, delivery driver. Her her career goal is um, to get her CDLs. Oh, wow. And so we were able um, to create this lead uh, delivery driving position for her so that she could be in charge of, um, you know, figuring out the routes and the deliveries and um, being a part of that process so she can, you know, get ready for that career. Um, and then we have a... Um, a catering lead um, who started in the workforce development program. And now she's really um, taken off and she's in college and her career goal is to be a social worker, but um, she was still able to move forward um, within freedom. And she did her internship here. And, and, you know, so whatever it is we can do for the women here, we will sure find a way. 
It definitely sounds like it. Um, I, and like I said, I mean, I've always been really inspired by the work that you do. And I think it provides a lot of good insight to really understand what goes into what maybe I would refer to as a, a trauma-informed workplace uh, in many ways, because, you know, you are finding those ways to get around those barriers um, by creating your own environment and doing things like having, you know, um, that that lead uh, delivery position and, you know, enabling someone to have that on their resume whose, you know, career goal is to, to have a, a commercial driver's license, a CDL and, and be, you know, professional driver. Um, so, so Paula, sp- speaking of delivering food, I'm thinking about delivering to that cafe. Um, tell me that the cafe is brand new. Um, where is it at? Who does it serve? And I think most importantly, in some ways, um, you know, when is, how do you source the ingredients and the food that you serve there, um, for the cafe? Sure. So we, in this beautiful new building are located in downtown Columbus. Um, the address is 123 East Spring Street. And the amazing thing is that we found this building that allows us to operate all of all of our catering, as well as this cafe and our survivor resource center called The Loft, all in one place. We have um, a parking lot that is ours, so we can offer customers free parking as well. And then there's pay lots for overflow and off, off, obviously metered parking. Um, and and our something that I think makes us special at Freedom is really taking the food that we serve and making sure it's just elevating it a little bit. So instead of, you know, in our, on our catering menu, um, instead of just a, a turkey sandwich, we do a turkey tango, which also has, you know, chimichurri sauce on it and and um, roasted red peppers. And so it's, it's just really making it special because we know that people might come and support our social enterprise because they connect with the mission and they want to support the mission, but to build a business that can then um, help, help these women on their journey, we need something that's sustainable. And so if we can really exceed expectations, we can have people come back again and again. Um, we source everything locally that we can. Everything's fresh, uh, made from scratch. We have our own baker that does pastries fresh pastries every day for the cafe. Um, Croissants is a specialty of ours that we've developed for the cafe. In fact, our our breakfast sandwich is called a rosemary breakfast sandwich. And we make our own rosemary lemon sausage and serve that with an egg and provolone cheese and um, lemon aioli with arugula. And we serve it on a croissant bun that we've created. So... It's just trying to take things and make them really special because that's how we would want to treat someone that comes into our home and we see this as as our home for the to the community. So uh, we have business people coming in that work downtown, but we have lots of people traveling downtown to to visit the cafe. That's great news. And, and I can see why, because as you said, I mean, you're providing a product that is attracting people to come back uh, time and time again as repeat customers. Um, and that's what you need if you want to uh, be able to utilize that, uh, you know, that cafe to uh, be able to support the, the mission of Freedom a la carte in a sustainable way. Um, you guys have done an excellent, excellent job. I I just uh, continue to be amazed, uh, but not surprised by what you're doing at Freedom a la carte. Um, Paula and Mandy, again, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to join us and share about Freedom a la carte to a wider audience. More importantly, thank you for everything that you're doing um, for um, survivors of trafficking in Central Ohio and, and hopefully maybe beyond one of these days. Today's program was brought to you by Roth Cheese, a pioneer in the U.S. specialty cheese movement. Roth has made specialty cheese in the rolling hills of Wisconsin for more than 30 years. With strong Swiss heritage, Roth is best known for its award-winning Alpine-style Grand Cru cheeses. Fresh Wisconsin milk, combined with expertise in affinage, is how Roth creates high-quality, great-tasting cheese year after year. In 2016, 
hard work paid off when out of over 2,000 contenders, Roth Grand Cru Sir Schwa was named World Champion at the World Cheese Championship. For more information, visit RothCheese.com. Welcome back to Eat Your Heartland Out. Our next guest is Ruth Lefrec, Lead Employability Tutor at Luminary Bakery, a program based in London, England, that trains survivors of domestic abuse and gender-based violence to become bakers. Why don't we start off um, with, maybe you could share with us um, how Luminary Bakery was founded and, and what inspired that mission? So uh, we began, Luminary began uh, when our founder, Alice, uh, was working in East London um, and she was meeting with women who were involved in the sex industry and um, homeless um, and experiencing sort of extreme poverty, uh, disadvantage and uh, gender -based, general gender-based violence. Um, and they had very few kind of opportunities to leave this. Um, we know that kind of homeless women are at risk of serious sexual exploitation and getting caught up in crime and then kind of parallel to that we know that uh, domestic violence is the single kind of biggest driver um, of homelessness um, so this kind of kind of dimension where these meet um, is multiple disadvantage um, and a critical factor or critical factors um, in changing these circumstances um, are employment and independence and this was the inspiration to founding Luminary, starting Luminary, we wanted to be a place um, to offer training and employment and community. Um, we want to offer opportunities and um, hope, hope. Why baking? Why cooking? Why, you know, why this vocation um, as that tool of empowerment and giving women hope? We've seen uh, women kind of come through um, our space um, and find something that they're incredible at that they would never maybe have thought of themselves as being incredible at before. They've kind of stepped into a space of creativity. They've been making something for themselves. It can be quite therapeutic without involving therapy um, mm -hmm. and kind of seeing kind of basic ingredients and then being like, oh, I've made this bread or I've made these cinnamon swirls or I've made these shoe pastries. That's where kind of, uh, kind of new thinking can kind of come in, um, new ideas of skills and of strengths and the qualities that they have and um, have had this whole time. It's almost kind of being played out in front of them. Um, and that's where we see baking just being incredible. Um, it's also this opportunity to kind of share food with others and share learning with others. Um, we've seen kind of endless um, kind of helpfulness come out of that space as well. That's wonderful. Um, so walk us through what you do, you know, sort of the nuts and bolts of, you know, the employability program that's affiliated with Luminary Bakery. Um, you know, if a woman wanted to participate, how do they learn about the program? How do they get into the program? Yeah, for sure. So um, we've actually done this huge revamp of our employability program over the last couple of years uh, with a lot of input from past trainees, asking them what they needed more of, what they needed less of, what we could do to kind of support them better and bring in more kind of employment opportunities and kind of and independence opportunities that meant that they could leave our space um, or leave kind of the direct support from Luminary feeling confident in kind of who they are. Um, so to answer your first question, so I'll, mm -hmm. I'll talk it I'll walk it through kind of step by step. So women kind of hear from us um, in loads of different spaces, a lot of women's services, um, refuges um, and kind of spaces where it's just women. Um, we uh, uh, go go through kind of different um, avenues. So like local boroughs and local councils will kind of uh, do talks at um, to involve social workers and that. So they have to be referred to us by uh, a professional um, but they might see kind of the work that we do and go to their professional and say, I want to do this. Can we work together on this application? Um, and then they'll come and uh, uh, do an interview with us. And then once they've got a space on the programme, um, they'll go, they'll be working with us for two years. So the whole employability and independence programme is two years long and split down into four sections of six months. Um, so for the first year, they're a trainee 
Um, phase one is all about learning to bake to a professional standard. So they might start kind of really simple, but gaining basic skills and techniques and then building up um, over that first six months where they're becoming, becoming kind of masters of uh, bread and pastry and dessert. And we kind of really encourage them to keep practicing wherever they can around that. And then alongside that, we're facilitating kind of sessions um, uh, and that are based around kind of soft and kind of practical skills. So writing a budget plan and uh, writing a skills-based CV kind of as they start to dig into these unique strengths and explore what they'd love to do. Um, and then this then moves on into kind of more conversation-led sessions, uh, which we kind of, we call our holistic development sessions. And they're really around kind of self-reflection and development um, and considering our resilience, self-compassion, endurance and kind of boundaries as well as we kind of build our networks and that kind of thing. So, so let, let me, let me, let's take a pause just right there for a minute, if I may, yeah. because, because the holistic development sessions I, I find very interesting and compelling. And, um, mm. you know, I, my, my listeners may not know this and, and I, but I did mention that you, um, this to you before, but, you know, I, I'm a licensed social worker in, in Ohio and, and mm. trained and worked with and still am involved um, with um, my local um, domestic violence shelter, which you know, as you would call it, a refuge, um, you know, in the in the, in the UK, and um, you know, yeah. in trying to work with women in these in these kind of environments, it's it's the fact that you are able or you're aiming to integrate these type of um, you know self care, self empowerment, um, strength based approaches into, you know, essentially an employability course, I find just fascinating. So what would that, how does that even work, right? So you're, you know, you're in the training room, you're learning how to bake, um, you know, are, are, are your um, participants talking about some of these other aspects like relationships, self-compassion, boundaries while they're baking? Or is it a separate, uh, you know, sort of an ancillary and supportive type, supported separate um, class or session? Sure. So uh, it's uh, within the same day. Um, so we do offer one-to-one support kind of through the entire program, but these sessions are specifically for the group um, and their conversations. So say we're making chocolate cake one day, we might um, make the cake, put it in the oven, make the icing, let that set that to one side and then set an hour for this conversation. So we might move rooms or we might kind of just sit around in the circle or around the table, kind of have food together and um, have this conversation together. So kind of I would facilitate that and bring in ideas and bring in kind of thoughts and um, things that we might be talking about during that session. Um, but everybody's welcome to participate. Um, and we ha- obviously we have kind of ideas that we want to be bringing through and a thread that we have through every single session that we'll keep kind of leading back to. Um, but that's kind of how they're involved in the um, uh, in the day. Um, and then the reason kind of we've integrated it, I guess, is um, when we're thinking about, let's say, resilience, um, we're bringing in ideas of how do I step step up again if I feel like I failed? How do I step up again if something set me back? How do I speak to myself kindly when um, I feel like I've done something wrong or I'm not good enough? All of these are actually really integral in being able to um, manage the employment process. Um, so going to a job interview, um, like being um, being hired, um, having maybe um, having a conversation with your boss where they're saying, actually, this wasn't good enough. What are you going to do about it? And that's where kind of the self-reflection and the, all, all of these kind of sessions have been written um, to underpin the employability kind of side of it. Right. Well, not to mention the fact that as, as you know, you're talking about some of these things is not, I don't see it just as an employability issue, but frankly, mm. you know, being kind to yourself in the kitchen, you know, um, it's, yeah. it's sometimes very difficult. I mean, there's a lot of fails, um, before you get, you know, the sort of the perfect, you know, cake or cupcake or, you know, design or whatever. And so being, yeah. you know, not having it be perfect the first time and not saying, well, you know what? I guess this isn't for me is, is definitely, um, I, I can see how those, those, um, skills are appropriately integrated here. That's, I, that's just great. Um, so yeah. we walked through phase one, right? Um, 
a, a little bit. And um, but there, yeah. are, as you mentioned at the beginning of this, it's a two year program, which is pretty intensive. Yeah. Um, and there's two more phases. So um, let's let's uh, continue through the process. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it is intensive, definitely. But it's one day a week for the first year. And then mm-hmm. kind of over the second year, that's where women kind of step into their own independence a little bit more and um, maybe step back from kind of being on site all the time. Um, but I'll go into that in a little bit more detail kind of after phase two. Um, yeah, so phase two is um, where the trainees kind of participate in employability um, sessions and seminars. Um, so it's just the morning um, and that's where they're thinking about kind of goal setting and professional writing, so emails and letters and that kind of thing, um, interview practice right. and writing job applications, these kind of things, the things that are going to kind of really build practical confidence um, or when they're kind of stepping into finding work and looking at work. And they'll also get their work experience in the Lumino business at this point as well, so either in our bakery or in our cafe. And uh, their support worker as well, as I said, they're supported through the entire programme um, by a support worker. Um, they might be me for the first six months and then another progression support worker ongoing from there. Um, and uh, they'll maybe help them uh, apply for work or further education or training if that's what they want to do as well. And the progression support worker, right, works one-on-one with uh, the women and is, you know, really yeah. working specifically, ta- uh, you know, working tailored to that individual's needs, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, yeah, we we want to kind of offer um, them what they need to succeed. So we have kind of multiple meetings with each woman um, throughout the year, um, kind of asking what they need at that point, how we're going to work on that together. Uh, what needs to happen next and obviously so that's me for the first six months but progression support for the next 18 months they get to build a really kind of positive and healthy relationship with that woman as they kind of move through into independence um, where they kind of take on challenges maybe outside of their comfort zone a bit um, and uh, the progression support worker is also there to really advocate for women who are maybe kind of outside of um, networks and that kind of thing so that they can um, move forward and keep keep going forward I mean, that's I mean I, I gotta say that the the commitment that it takes on behalf of both the staff and the individual women that are you know committed to going through this program is really significant um, and what really surprised me in learning about this is that while I know that um, you know this uh, that some of the the courses started back in 2014. This particular, you know, program of employability um, just started in 2019, right? And really kind of launched right kind of in the midst or right before the pandemic, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we were we started in 2013. We got our first cafe in 2016, and then we moved to Camden um, in 2019, which is where we have our training room. It's where we were able to offer for four training cohorts per week um so yeah it's taken a big step um uh, I guess what COVID did uh like a lot of places was it made us have to completely rethink things but it also meant that we had space to um review and rescale um and I think what we've come up with so far is incredible we're already seeing incredible outcomes and women kind of coming through with much more um uh kind of uh, independence factors and employment factors already um not not to say they've also had like more opportunity for community because they're in luminary more often um so yeah hopefully really positive moving forward that, sure absolutely so you know when uh, i want to touch a little bit on um the successes and the, the women that luminary has touched um, you know, it's, um, how, and, and, you know, we'll talk more about, uh, some of the stats issues at, at some point, but, um, yeah. how many women have gone through and, and have graduated in this, you know, sort of first module these last two years? Um, so last year we supported 53 women. Um, or we were supporting 53 women over the whole pro over the whole of luminary we've supported 107 women um and our kind of uh 
graduation start at the moment is uh, 70%. Um, I think, sorry, 88% of trainees have completed employability and independence programs so far. That's strong. That was in 2020. That's very, yeah. That's very, very strong. So, um, you know, we, we talked about this a, a bit at the beginning of, of the conversation, but uh, I, I think that it's, a, it is important to kind of reiterate it again, um, as far as really painting a picture of who Luminary is helping. Um, you know, and mm-hmm. how. So, you know, you, you just, you just, you know, went through a list of numbers, you know, of over 100 women and 77%, uh, you know, graduation and, and all of these things. But each one of those numbers is a human. Um, and, mm-hmm. um, Absolutely. it's important to paint that, that human picture. Those people that are, you know, making the cakes that you can go and buy at Luminary, um, in Camden or, or in, uh, Stoke Newington, correct? And as well as, as, um, in the London area. Um, so with every single, you know, every single slice of cake has a, has a human story behind it as well. Who are those women that you're helping and how have their lives been impacted? Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, so the, as I said at the beginning, kind of the women we're working with um, have just experienced true, true extreme trauma, um, and we're here to kind of provide a platform for them. So every woman, pretty much every woman who comes through our doors has experienced gender-based violence, um, and she is here to um, gain employment, gain skills, gain a kind of more positive future for herself. So I won't tell kind of specific individual stories um I do believe that they're for each individual woman to tell and actually you can see um you can read their stories in our cookbook um Rising Hope that's all there there um throughout the pages there are um double page spreads of their stories um so I'd really recommend reading them and uh being inspired by them they're incredible um And uh, we also have our impact reports on our website um, and there are a couple of case studies in there that we've written with the women kind of talking about their stories, where they've come through and um, how Luminary has kind of impacted them as well. Um, I guess for me, the most significant moments are the changes in thinking and perspectives of themselves and the world um, as they move through the programme. So maybe we have a woman who comes to her first meeting and understandably, she's tearful. She's uh, very deep in the trauma that she's experienced and she does not trust. Um, and then kind of as she comes through her training days um, and she starts to achieve these incredible bakes um, that she didn't know that she could do um, and learn new skills and uh, kind of start communicating with new people and feeling safe in that space and share those bakes Um and then get to explore her creativity. I love seeing them explore their creativity and make really unique and beautiful bakes that are their own, that is her own. Um, And then um, feel more confident in kind of trying something new and uh, stepping out. So um, maybe changing up that decoration. Um, It seems like something small, but actually it's really significant. Or maybe changing up that ingredient so it has a slightly different flavour. That's choice and that's autonomy. And I love seeing that in the room, kind of bringing in like the things that she wants to do, not the things that we're telling her to do. Um, And that's kind of why I'm here. That's what I'm I'm here to support them through, support her through, um, and hopefully offer kind of helpful challenges and encourage that new thinking. Well, that's powerful. That is powerful. And the way that you describe that, that, you know, these, these small things, like just like, you know, being confident because you baked something beautiful and, and embedding that autonomy in small choices, which have big impact. Um, that's huge. And, um, you know, I am looking forward to learning more about Luminary Bakery and its mission. And, um, well, you know, uh, as I, as we started our conversation, um, you're all the way across on the other side of the world, but um, I think that this story is universal. And, you know, from Columbus, Ohio to Camden in North London, uh, food is is helping women reclaim their lives um, and um, reclaim their confidence. Um, Ruth, um, thank you so much for joining the program and educating our audience about the work of Luminary Bakery. You're listening to Eat Your Heartland Out. Our final guest this hour is Maya Camille Broussard, 
Maya is the founder of Justice of the Pies in Chicago and is one of the stars of Bake Squad, a new series on Netflix. Introduce us to you and to Justice of the Pies. I mean, I found Justice of the Pies um, just through doing some research. You're in Chicago, and I just got drawn to the name and then found out about everything behind it. How did you start this? Um, I created Justice of the Pies in 2014 in memory of my late father, Steve Broussard. My dad was a criminal defense attorney, and his hobby was baking and eating pies. So I created the bakery to celebrate his love of pies and to honor his belief that people deserve second chances. I got to ask you, what were some of his favorite pies to make and to eat? Well, he really loved to make quiches, but one of his favorite pies to make was an apple cranberry pie. Oh, that's great. I actually make an apple cranberry almond uh, pie around around Thanksgiving time. Um, that's that is a fantastic one. I, you don't always see that combination. That is that's great. How did he get into uh, baking pies as his hobby as a criminal defense attorney? Um, my dad had a lot of hobbies. I mean, the number one hobby was eating. But um, he was a master scuba diving instructor. My dad was um, a pilot. He took pilot lessons later on in life. He um, he loved to. Uh, learn other languages. He became fluent in Swahili and he was a community theater actor. So he spent his weekends uh, in plays and being a thespian. So he had a lot of hobbies. Uh, I likened him to Forrest Gump, but with a higher IQ. <laughs> that's uh, that's one, one hell of a comparison, but I see where you're going that, you know, it's almost this like Renaissance man that does all of the things. And, um, it's just wonderful that that you were, you know, inspired to use his legacy and his passion to follow your own. Um, and you're incredibly accomplished in your own right. Um, you know, you, you know, you said you started uh, Justice of, of the Pies in 2014, but you didn't you are not a classically, quote unquote, classically trained baker. Right. Or pastry maker. I grew up with a family of women who were amazing or and still are amazing in the kitchen. My dad's family is originally from Louisiana. And for me, uh, Louisiana is another powerhouse in terms of uh, culinary, uh, as a culinary state, because I believe that Chicago is a powerhouse in terms of culinary. Um, so I learned from my aunts and from my cousins about baking and different recipes all while growing up. And so I naturally was able to uh, transition from the arts world into the culinary arts world. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and so you you were, you were grew up baking um, like many of us. I mean, isn't it such a blessing to have those talented women in the kitchen, uh, you know, passing those traditions down? I mean, um, I can say the same, you know, growing up, learning from my grandmother, all of the things as an Italian, you know, all of the different types of things that she would make um, that I later on ended up, you know, passing on. And my sister also, you know, does, uh, you know, makes those recipes and you carry that with you. It's a way that we carry tradition. Uh, but you went one step further and actually started uh, a bakery, um, which is not an easy business to get into. Um and then, you know, you said you, you, you did it to honor your dad's commitment to second chances. Um, and I know that Justice of the Pies is committed to uh, lifting people up um, and, and doing that, you know, through culinary arts. Um, I'd love you to tell us about, you know, some of the programs as part of your mission um, to, to give back to the community and lift people up. Sure. So Justice of the Pies is an L3C. We are a social mission-based bakery, and our goal is to positively impact the lives of those who work with us. We like to see ourselves as stewards for fairness and equality. And so we have a lot of different initiatives that we activate that centers around our ethos. But one of the, um, one of the initiatives that's very dear, near and dear to us is our I Need Love workshop. 
The workshop is geared towards uh, children who reside in lower income communities that are affected by food apartheid. Most mm-hmm. of the children tend to be in grades, fifth through eighth grades, but we often do work with high schoolers as well. And in these workshops, we are teaching the children about basic kitchen skills, developing their nutritional development, and, and cultivating their creativity in the kitchen. The goal of these workshops is to help children become more self-sufficient in the kitchen. Right, which makes which makes sense. How do you recruit the or at least connect with the students that participate in the workshop? And then how are they structured, um, you know, to pass those skills along? So in the workshops, we um, are not only just following a recipe, and I'm not just teaching them a recipe, but I'm also teaching them the why behind some of the ingredients that we're using. Mm. The idea is you can have. Uh, something sweet, but let's use all natural ingredients that your body is going to process. You know, we're not talking about over-processed foods. We're not talking about foods that you get from the corner store. We're talking about going to the grocery store and picking up butter instead of margarine, picking up um, fresh produce instead of canned vegetables or canned fruit. Um, The goal is to it's to show the children that, you know, you can eat whatever you want. One, it has to be in moderation. And two, it is healthier if you make it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and children often are eating things, in, you know, well, children and adults. We don't know what we're putting in our bodies. And so when we're making a quiche or when we are making a pie, um, we're talking about the nutritional uh, benefits of some of the ingredients, whether it's the antioxidants in blueberries or... Um, the vitamins that are in spinach, we are aiming to help the children have a better understanding of the foods that you eat and why you should include it in your recipe. I love that. I mean, and and we need more and more of that, um, you know, integrated for, for all children, you know, to really understand what they're putting in because, you know, uh, savvy children make savvy adults and, and it's needed even more in communities you know, communities of color, low-income communities that, you know, are experiencing food apartheid, don't have, you know, access to affordable, healthy foods, maybe not, you know, familiar with how to um, prepare these type of foods because they don't have any experience uh, with them. Um, But then the fact that you go behind the music, so to speak, and explain the why um, really is, is so important. What kind of reaction do you get from the kids? Um, the kids definitely love the workshop. They're always asking uh, the administrators of the partnering organizations, when can we go back? You know, I want to take another class. They offer me recipe ideas. They absolutely love being involved. And I think that kids are not, a lot of kids are not used to cooking because perhaps an adult doesn't trust them in the kitchen to be around a stove and to be around an oven. But when you give a child a sense of responsibility, then they actually feel as though they can be trusted with navigating their way around the kitchen. Sure. I mean, and and I would say that that's, um, you know, that is that piece of empowerment. Um, You know, as I'm listening to this, it makes me wonder, I mean, do you have maybe ideas or plans on, you know, maybe taking something one step further for, you know, some of these kids that quote unquote graduate from the workshop to do, Um, maybe a longer program or an apprenticeship program or something like that as they get into high school or beyond? Are you thinking um, about maybe expanding some of that um, and building upon it? Not that you don't have enough to do. (laughs) Right. But no, I tend to also work with other organizations such as Rick Bayless Impact Culinary Program. So I don't necessarily have to create that from scratch. There are already great programs out there that do that kind of thing, all I have to do is just come in and offer my experience, my services, and the knowledge that I can share. Um, Rick Bayless Impact Culinary Program uh, works with kids in terms of job readiness. So they're actually training them for eight weeks so that they could be ready to go into a restaurant. So from there, I can uh, work with the kids and um, do an internship with them for two weeks where they would stodge in my kitchen. And then that right. would allow me to decide, like, do I want to continue working with them? Do they want to continue working with me? Um, again, that's something that's already out there. So I'm 
I tend to work with kids who are younger. My goal is to um, get them while they're young so that they can grow their interest in it as they mature in age. Makes sense. Makes makes a lot of sense. Again, people, I mean, look, just even in our you know little conversation here, the fact of the matter is, is that, um, you know, we were exposed early to, um, you know, baking and cooking and that sort of thing. And it sparks an interest. You just don't know where those sort of things are going to go. And um, it's wonderful that, that you're engaging, um, you know, the, the children that way. Um, I also understand that uh, you um, also help prepare meals in, for communities as well. Um, at least sometimes for Chicago South South Side. Is that right? So that was something that we did during the pandemic. We partnered with Frontline Foods to provide meals for frontline workers, but also I've partnered with uh, different organizations to provide meals for, um, for residents who are most affected by the pandemic in terms of not having access to employment, and which then leads to not having access to meals in general. Um, so in 2020, we provided over 3,500 meals. And then in 2021, we were able to provide close to uh, 3,000 meals. And, and what's involved with those meals? I mean, I feel like there's got to be quiche in there somewhere, right? Um, yes, we do make quiche. Um, some of the meals that we did over the winter, they were a little bit more heavy. So we did our Shepherd's pie and pot pie. So we also do a lot of uh, pot pie. So we did a chicken and biscuit pot pie and shepherd's pie with salad. You know, it's, it's a full meal. So we, um, you know, put a salad and, of course, a cookie in there. And we would drop it off to uh, shelters in the cities. Fantastic. Well, this gives me a, a great opportunity to uh, shift gears here for a minute um, and ask um, about literally, you know, what you offer Justice of the Pies for people that may be visiting Chicago. Um, you know, uh, what can they expect if they walk into Justice of the Pies and want to get something to eat? Some of our most popular pies include the strawberry basil key lime pie. Um, and with fall coming up, we are working on a sweet potato and plantain pie. Um, blue cheese Ooh. Pauline pear pie is also really popular. And um, we have a German chocolate bourbon pecan pie that is flying off the shelf. So we do a lot of unorthodox and unconventional flavors and pie varieties. And that is something that people can expect when they get a pie from Justice of the Pies. Um, so how do you come up with those unique flavor combinations? Um, a lot of my creativity is stemmed from my travels. So um, when I travel and I experience new things, then it is instant inspiration for when I go back to my own kitchen. Makes sense. And I can tell just from what you just described that there, there's clearly an authenticity in those experiences that you bring directly back into the bakery. And I definitely, even though I'm from Ohio, I don't get to Chicago very often. And I feel like I'm going to have to make an effort to do so. Every time I speak to someone on this show, it makes me, uh, you know, excited and inspired to get in a car and just start driving west somewhere um, to see and meet and experience uh, all the things that I've talked to, all the people I've talked to um, while I've been doing this show. Um, and of course, speaking of shows, I can't let you go without asking you um, first saying congratulations to you um, for um, being uh, part of a new Netflix series. Um, which is called, what, Bake Squad, right? Correct. Bake Squad is a family-friendly competition. Um, we were all handpicked by Chef Christina Tosi, who is the founder of Milk Bar, which is a huge baking empire here in the United States, and I believe there's a location in Canada. Chef Tosi handpicked four bakers, and each baker specializes in uh, something different, whether it's sugar, chocolate, uh, intense flavors or cake. And we each bake something for a deserving individual who is celebrating a, a life milestone, whether it's a wedding, a birthday, or a kicking cancer's butt. Um, we all come together to help each other, but we are vying for the bragging rights uh, as you know we try to win each bake. So it is a very heartfelt, feel-good show that also has 
uh, a lot of fun elements <laughs> in which we play around in the kitchen and we joke around, but also we're very serious about our art. Well, I can't wait to tune into that. Um, I was excited to learn of it as I reached out to you. I had no idea. Um, and then learned from uh, some of your colleagues that you were going to be on Bake Squad. And, and um, now hearing a little bit more about it as well, um, I, you know, I definitely want to check it out because that feel good factor, you know, getting in there to, you know, share your art and your passion to celebrate someone's milestone even makes just, it really is a feel good story. I love it. Um, I am so glad that I've had a chance to meet you um, and um, hope to do so in person one of these days. Uh, and um, I want to thank you for sharing your passion and your mission of Justice of the Pies with, with our listening audience. Eat Your Heartland Out is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.